This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. All right, folks, welcome to another episode. Episode 6, as a matter of fact. We're putting a cap on this first six-pack of Fin It to Win It. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, the managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, NFL Draft Analyst at thedraftnetwork.com, co-host of the Draft Dudes Podcast, and your solo pilot on this episode today of Fin It to Win It, dedicated to talking about trade options for the draft. Uh, There's a lot of speculation that the Dolphins will be a team that moves and shakes their way throughout the draft class. And I think it's it's perfectly reasonable to expect the Dolphins to be changing picks left and right because their entire thesis and thought process and, and plan of attack is we want to allocate draft capital, right? Well, you have almost one pick for every round in 2020 already, but you don't have two ones or two twos. And it's for that reason that I really think any trade that you see the Dolphins do is not going to be up for a quarterback. It's going to be down because they're not enamored with the talent at 13 and they want to add those extra high-end picks. And depending on how far they trade, that can dictate how rich we get here as we're looking to 2020. And then it's a different ballgame in 2020. Once this team has all of these picks, two picks in every round potentially, if they get a one and a two. Now this team can suddenly say, hey, yeah, we we're picking eighth, but we really like Justin Herbert. Let's go up to three. Or we really like Tua Tagovailoa, so let's trade Kiko Alonso and a a pick to go up from seven to five, and then we'll trade the the two ones, the two twos, a three, and next year's two to go up from five to one. You know, like they have so much more flexibility, and that's really what it comes down to. They want to have the ability to move up and down the board as they please, but you can't do that if you're going to do so by mortgaging your draft classes and and giving up all of your players for nothing. You know, those trades have to be the accumulation of several moves in advance instead of, you know, emptying the chamber 
and having nothing left over to recover with or help to build the rest of your football team. So the Dolphins, let's talk about the draft order right out the shoots today. Uh, they're picking 13th. If they were to look to, to outdraft teams looking for quarterbacks, to be safe, you'd probably have to get up to Oakland or Tampa Bay at four or five. And to go up that much of a jump into the top five, you need to give up 13, 48, and probably next year's one. And that, it's not going to happen, you know? Now, if you give the Giants pass on a quarterback all of a sudden, and then Jacksonville's not really in the market, Detroit's not really in the market, you've got Denver, Cincinnati at 10 and 11. It becomes a little bit more feasible to think that the Dolphins could trade up if they have to get to 8 with Detroit or 9. But again... It's going the wrong way, and it's going to cost you either your entire draft class this year, which is your foundational year, or it's going to cost you the draft picks that you'll need next year to remain fluid and and attack the draft specifically where the order really won't matter for you next year because you'll have the chance to, to be aggressive. So now the question becomes if you want to go the other way. You're 13. How far down do you want to go? We talked about this at Dolphins Wire a little bit yesterday. We talked about the potential, the the absolute worst-case, quote-unquote, worst-case scenario for a Dolphins fan that wants to see the Dolphins make a pick as the Dolphins trade back from 13 to 49, where the Cleveland Browns are currently sitting. And the Browns, listen, they're, they're all in this year. Obviously trading 17 for Odell Beckham, trading for Olivier Vernon. They're very aggressive right now. They want to come out and they want to load up in this window right now with as much possible volume and blue chip talent as they can possibly get their hands on. I'll get into the optics of that trade in just a second, but who would the Browns possibly want? Well, you got Atlanta at 14. Cleveland was originally slotted to pick 17 and Minnesota at 18. Uh, If there's a man by the name of Ed Oliver that somehow gets past Green Bay at 12, Atlanta at 14, Minnesota at 18, those are two big hurdles, and uh, they don't have a three technique. Now, personally, Ed to, to Buffalo at nine makes a lot of sense for me, and he makes sense at 12 to Green Bay. And for me, he's like the fifth best football player in the class. So he should be long gone by that point. But if Ed slides and he's on the board for Miami, will Cleveland come calling? And then Miami has like this real existential crisis because you have an elite talent in Ed Oliver who's on the board and you've got the Cleveland Browns potentially calling, offering you 49, which is one spot behind Miami's second round pick at 48. 81, next year's one, probably something else. The the points add up. There's a value chart that's designed to to assign draft draft pick values for uh, every pick on the chart in the list. 
And 13 for 49.81 in Cleveland's next year one values Cleveland's next year one as the 35th overall pick in the draft in 2020. Now that doesn't account for the fact that it's a year-free lease, too. The Dolphins are giving the Browns an immediate payoff for a trade that's not going to give Miami any full return for another 12 months. So they can quote-unquote charge interest, and they should be asking for another draft selection as well, whether that's a 2023 or a uh, Cleveland's got two fives in 2019. So I'm sorry, three fives in 2019. Okay, I'm definitely asking for one of those. So as Miami starts to build an offer, if Cleveland comes calling, you really get to test their ability to put their money where their mouth is because they, they said they want good football players, but they've also said they want draft picks. Well, based on how they assess this team sits right now, what's more important to you, the draft picks or the talent? For me, if Ed's on the board at – jeez. If Ed's on the board at 13, I'm probably taking it. If Cleveland has somebody else in mind, maybe they want to jump up in front of Atlanta and, and ensure they get an interior defensive lineman and snag like Christian Wilkins because Ed's gone already, then I'm taking the picks. If Cleveland comes calling and I can get that kind of offer out of them. But again, that's the absolute worst case scenario for Miami as far as like how far could you possibly trade down? Well, you'd be trading down like 36 spots. So that's a big drop, but that gets you two twos this year, two threes this year, uh, potentially another five this year, and then two ones for next year. Sounds good, right? Dolphins have talked about how this is all about getting draft capital. Now here's where it does get interesting when you consider that kind of trade back. Miami would have 48, 49, 79, and 81. All on day two. Uh, you're going to run out of talent before you get to 81 in this year's class. It's not a good class. So you could potentially see Miami trade up once you trade down. Again, it's all about setting the table, right? You've got to be able to make the moves to set up the big move instead of just throwing everything you've got right out the gate. Something to consider. Now, who else could potentially be a trade-down option for the Miami Dolphins? You kind of look through teams in the the, the teens. Uh, Washington, no, they would jump above Miami to make sure if there's a quarterback sliding. <clears throat> Dwayne Haskins, that uh, they they would feel good about and want. Uh, the New York Giants, probably not. Minnesota, potentially. Uh, Atlanta has a need on the defensive line, so that's kind of the key as you're looking to navigate. Who would want to trade up? Look at the teams immediately behind Miami, Atlanta, Carolina, and Washington. What are the needs on those teams? And who has needs further down that could see this as an opportunity to jump up and steal a player? Well, Atlanta really needs defensive line, interior defensive line. Washington needs a quarterback. They need wide receivers. Carolina needs offensive tackle and edge. Unfortunately for the Dolphins, they need all those spots. So uh, it will make life a little easier for them knowing that there's so many different ways that they can go. They have so much flexibility at their disposal. So again, who do the Dolphins uh, 
have potential trade partners with. Minnesota at 18 needs a three technique. They could potentially look to jump Atlanta. Tennessee needs an edge. They may want to jump Carolina. The Giants also need an edge. So depending on what the Giants do at six, it could be a a much more pressing issue for the Tennessee Titans to jump because then you'd have Carolina and the Giants in the market for for edge defenders slash outside linebackers. Houston Texans need an offensive tackle. They pick 23rd. So Minnesota's 18, Tennessee's 19, Houston's 23. The Philadelphia Eagles, 25. They need an air for uh, Peters at left tackle. The Indianapolis Colts need interior defensive line. Chargers need defensive line, 28. There's lots. There's probably five teams here, Minnesota, Tennessee, Houston, Philadelphia, Indianapolis, the Chargers. They're going to have the opportunity to drum up the market just based on these teams immediately behind them, Miami does, to entice some folks to make some calls. I think the best case scenario is you get Oakland interested, right? Because Oakland's got all these picks. Oakland's got 24, 27, and 35 this year. So Oakland would be probably more than willing to package some picks together to come up and get an impact guy. And they need pass rush too. So the Giants, the Panthers, even Washington having lost Preston Smith and free agency to the Packers, those guys could all use edge defenders. So could the Raiders. So let's make this magic happen, Oakland. Mike Mayock needs to to get on the phone because I think that's the team that is most likely to part with some of their draft capital and allow Miami to still make some impact decisions for 2019. Now, of the other teams that we mentioned, teams that could be of interest to the Dolphins and, and not essentially force them to punt on the draft class, if Houston wants to jump up 10 spots, from 13 or from 23 to 13. They can do so by giving 23. They have two second round picks back to back in 54 and 55. Miami picks 48. So adding one of those would be an extra extra second round within six or seven picks of where the Dolphins are already slated to pick in the second round in this year's draft. Can Miami ask for both of those picks? The answer is no. Here's why. Uh, Miami's 13th overall pick is rated at 1,150 points. Houston's 23rd pick is rated at 760 points on this value chart. Houston's 54th pick is 360 points, and their 55th pick is 350 points. So if you ask for one of those picks, you've essentially reached the quote-unquote break-even point of the trade. Now, you might be able to get greedy although it's pretty unlikely considering Houston doesn't have a fourth-round pick this year. You could ask for their three. You could say, hey, Houston, give us 23, 55, and 86. 
to jump up 10 spots. We know you really want this offensive tackle. Come and get him, whether it's Jonah Williams or somebody else. Houston could do it, but then they have 13, no pick until 54, and then they don't pick again until 161. This is not the team that is so squared away with talent that they can afford to essentially surrender their entire draft class of note for one player. That would be a pretty bold move. Now, here's where you can get it to work and how you can finesse it for Miami. If you want to trade from 13 to 23, right, you've got almost 400 points discrepancy. If you have 390 points separating your pick at 13 versus the pick at 23, that's fine. What you can do is you can take the drop to 23, and then you can ask for the 2019 third-round pick at 86, which is rated at 160 points. And now your pick discrepancy is 230 points, which according to this draft value chart is the 72nd overall pick. Now we're expecting the Houston Texans to compete next year. They've got Deshaun Watson and New Hopkins and a really exciting defensive front seven, and they're bringing back Jadavion Clowney, so we'll say Houston. Your second-round pick's going to be a late pick anyway. Let's say you win the Super Bowl. That means that second-round pick is worth 270 points. Our discrepancy right now is 230 points. Why don't you just give us your 2022 to go with 23 and your third-round pick this year at 86? And we'll call it even. You know, you're getting an upfront return on this trade. We've got to wait a year for all our assets. Consider it our interest. We're charging you interest for the trade. That's the luxury that Miami has for any team that they go after. If they're looking for the picks to come in 2020, they can be a little bit more liberal because they say, yeah, that's fine. Like, you're getting this upfront investment, and, and we got to wait 12 months for ours. So we should have a little bit of wiggle room and a little bit of leeway, leeway right? So if I were to peg favorites for Miami in a trade-back situation, Oakland or Houston make a ton of sense. I would love to see it manifest with Oakland because this is the kind of draft that if you can obtain several picks in the 20s, early 30s, you're going to get really good value for your picks in that range. So the Raiders are sitting pretty. Do we trust John Gruden? You know, I know Mike Mayock's the general manager there, but this is John's show. Do you just trust John to make all those picks? Do you trust him to stand pat and make all those picks? Or do you, do you expect him to start getting aggressive and be a wild card, which is exactly what he is, and jump up for a big-time player? I think it's pretty realistic. So, again, if you want to start trying to get into the heads of these teams and who could potentially be a trade-back option for Miami, consider the teams in front. Atlanta, Washington, Carolina Giants. A lot of pass rush need, a lot of defensive line need in this group. Who are teams further down? There's some offensive tackle need here with Carolina. The Giants at right tackle. 
depending on what they do at six, could be big in determining just how much demand there is for a team like Miami at 13, provided they don't love the talent that's there either, which is obviously the most important thing. Because if you have a player that you love, you've got to stand pat on it. Speaking of the draft, we got a couple minutes left in today's show, so let's, let's branch out a little bit. Let's talk about busts. USA Today put out a list of the top 100 busts in NFL history in the draft. And Miami, I'm actually stunned. They were only on this list four times. None higher than 18th overall. We did good. You know, generally speaking, this team's just kind of been dumb, but they haven't been incompetent like some of the other teams out there. So that's not exactly the measuring stick you want to put yourself against. But we're going into a season in which the buzziest word is tank. So beggars can't be choosers, right? The Dolphins at 13, or at 18, in the year 2013, traded up, gave Oakland a second-round pick, and drafted Deion Jordan third overall. And uh, I don't need to tell you how this story ends, but I would like to just point out Jordan has the same number of failed drug tests as he has sacks in three seasons in Miami. Three. Not great. This one was interesting. 85, they talked about Bill Parcells' decision to take Jake Long over Matt Ryan and referred to it as a busted decision. And, and clearly one of the, the 100 most impactful or, or biggest busts in draft history. Now, that's a little unfair to Jake. Because if you look back on Jake Long's career with the Dolphins, you should remember the contributions that he gave. He gave his body to the Dolphins. He was an all-pro left tackle at one point. Very, very, very good. Great football player. But when you consider the alternative was to draft Matt Ryan, who should have won a Super Bowl, 28-3, but didn't win a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan versus the laundry list of quarterbacks that the Dolphins have endured in the time since, it's very difficult to justify taking Jake Long. So I understand why he's on the list. And the more I read into this, the more angry I got, right? Like 2008 was that pick. I was, I had just turned 19 years old. So I was aware, but like, you're, you're not super plugged in and I'm reading and and I'm reading Bill Parcells talking about the decisions because they they had a really thorough vetting process with Joe Flacco and Matt Ryan and Chad Henney out of Michigan. And they opted with Chad Henney in the second round. And Bill Parcells said the reason why he went with Chad was because he was cheaper. You cheap bag of dirt. You can't do that at quarterback in the NFL. You can't try and get economics and take the guy in the second round because the drop-off's not that great if you have a potential franchise quarterback in your lap. That's how Chad Henney happens. That's how John Beck happens. That's how 
Pat, uh, speaking of Pat White, yeah, he made this list too at 88. The Dolphins spent the 44th overall pick on Pat White. And the dude couldn't hit guys in training camp and was pegging the side of Bill Parcells' golf cart on the sidelines. Never completed a pass in his career. Played 13 games. Was a Wildcat specialist. Went 0-5 as a passer and averaged less than four yards a carry before he got creamed and his career was over. 44th overall pick. Great job, Bill. You sit on a throne of lies. The last one of note, the Dolphins and the Bosa family tree. Uh, Dolphins drafted John Bosa in the first round in 1987 and got seven sacks in three years. And his now brother-in-law, Eric Kumro, they drafted in the first round a year later and got five sacks in three years. So the Dolphins were just about 30 years too early on uh, targeting any of the Bosa's. Mel Kuyper put out a mock draft. And let me just say, I will preface this segment by saying this. If this is Miami's Hall, um, I can't get super mad, but I really hate that this is the direction that they choose to go. Because I don't feel like the players that they he's, he's slotted them are bad players. But it just is a really confusing combination of picks. So Mel Kuyper's... Picks for the Dolphins, three-round mock draft on April 10th. Ray Sean Gary at 13, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, the safety out of Florida at 48, and Jarrett Stidham, the quarterback from Auburn at 78. Okay, so real quick, I promise I'll make this real quick. Ray Sean Gary at 13. He fits the Dolphins' mold because he's got heavy hands. But the Dolphins just got done taking a pass rusher that doesn't know how to rush the passer in Charles Harris. That terrifies me. Granted, Rayshon is an elite athlete at 277 pounds, ran the four fives relative to Charles Harris. Harris was much more of a snap anticipator in the style of play that they have at Missouri. They've always had guys just firing off kind of tilted techniques, rolling into the backfield. And, uh, Harris feasted on soft competition. Harris did not beat offensive tackles for a living. Um, he won with a lot of space, but I don't think he's the kind of athlete that can win in space in the NFL. So Harris is a whole different story. I don't want to get off on that side tangent. Rayshon, I wouldn't mind Rayshon. I, I think he's versatile enough to play inside and outside, but I don't know how you draft at 13 a heavy-handed guy who can't turn a corner to save his life off the edge and is not overly polished in his pass rush moves when you could get the exact same player in Charles and Menahue in the second round. 48, Chauncey Garner-Johnson. I'd rather have him at 13 than Rayshon Gary, to be honest with you. Chauncey's super versatile. So Miami, they're going to be really plugged into uh, getting a lot of defensive backs on the field. That's something that uh, I think Travis Wingfield at Locked on Dolphins talked about a lot about the Patriots defense and their trends and their utilization of defensive backs and as many as six defensive backs on the field at the same time. Like Miami does not have that kind of depth. Hate to be the bearer of bad news. They don't. Minka Fitzpatrick is cut from the same cloth as Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. 
Chauncey is a little bit more violent. Minka is much more consistent and a better tackler. But with that said, you can get very versatile with those two guys on the back end. That would just guarantee the end of Rashad Jones. You'd have to get those guys on the field and start getting them uploaded now for when this team wants to be ready to compete. Jared Stidham, it flushes down the toilet. It's a waste of a pick. Stidham, at best, is a backup. You don't take career backups in the third round. That's what the 49ers did when they traded up for C.J. Beathard, and they've already added like three new quarterbacks to their roster already, including a legitimate starter, which the Dolphins will do next year. If you're going to take a guy and it's not going to be a round one quarterback, don't waste your time with a second-round quarterback. Right, Because at the end of the day, you know this team is going to get back into the pool next year and draft a first-round quarterback. I'm fine with drafting a quarterback every year, but don't waste a top 100 pick on a backup at best quarterback. just doesn't make sense. You've got Ryan Fitzpatrick. If Fitzpatrick gets hurt, great. Then the tank is on. Don't go out and try and get some half-decent starting quarterback for a third-round pick. No offensive line in the top 100 picks? I'd be surprised. We've seen this too deep. Need some help. I also need your help. Need you guys to hit subscribe on Finnit to Win It. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Had a lot of fun talking about trading options and uh, Mel's mock draft for the, the Dolphins and some of the biggest busts in, in Dolphins history. Uh, surprised John Beck didn't make that list, but uh, again... I'm not going to complain that they left some of the uh, greater dolphin blunders of my lifetime off the list in the all-time spectrum. So uh, come back and see us again next week. Hope you guys enjoyed Finnit to Win It. I'm Kyle Krabs of Dolphins Wire and the Draft Network, and thanks so much for carving some time out of your day to check us out. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.